Women have been giving birth for centuries, so it's a pretty natural experience, right? Wrong. I'm Stephanie King, professional doula, childbirth educator, and the creator of the My Essential Birth Course, the online childbirth education course that's helping women everywhere confidently achieve their best birth. Today's culture would have us think that birth should be treated like an illness or an emergency, and that most of us need other people telling us what's best for our bodies because we aren't the experts. So sit tight, because if you're tuning into this podcast, you'll probably start to believe in your body, your intuition, and find yourself empowered and confident to do what it takes to have the birth of your dreams. If you like listening to me take you through these weekly topics step-by-step, then you're going to love the My Essential Birth course. Make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast and definitely head over to myessentialbirth.com for the free downloads mentioned right here in these episodes and to join the birth course and community full of pregnant moms just like you. I have to add a disclaimer that I am not a medical professional and I cannot provide medical advice. All of the information expressed in this podcast are based off of personal, professional, and educational experiences and are my own opinions. Please work with a provider you trust for medical advice during your pregnancy and birth. Okay, this week's reviewer of the week is Dressage Diva 001. I had to look up the word dressage. (laughs) I'm probably still saying it wrong. Before I got on here, I'm going to assume it's something to do with horses from what I looked up and I looked up how to pronounce it. So anyways, she says, where can I have my baby? I like this episode a lot because although I've already chosen my birthplace and I'm 34 weeks along, my husband had some trepidations about not going to a hospital. We are planning an unmedicated birth at a freestanding birth center. I was born at home, so it was very natural to me to just go without the medical interventions a hospital can provide. Not to say I'm against it for others, but I personally strive to have as much of a hands-off birth as possible. Hearing the pros and cons is helpful because it sort of helps me see more of my husband's side of things where he was nervous about the choice I was hoping to make. He went with it in support of me, but this episode does put into perspective how each decision is made and why people chose the way that they do. I really appreciate you listening along and bringing your husbands into it as well. I think there we talk a lot on here about communication and I know I've even had my husband on and you guys have heard from him but also when I when I have these other women and their husbands on for birth stories or even their birth partners how important it is to have that communication and so when you're involved in that together it, it can make a huge difference. I will tell you I can totally relate to this review because it was my mother-in-law actually that had her, she had one of her babies at home. And I think just knowing somebody that had done it and had done it successfully and had a great experience with it, that gave me the courage and strength to be able to say, yeah, I'm going to do that. And luckily it was my husband's mom. So then he had already heard the story. And I think birthing at home for him was like, yeah, okay, you know, whatever you want to do, I'm in support of that. So, and I know this can be a big barrier, especially for dads. And I think it comes down to that concern for mom. We want to make sure that mom is safe. We love this woman. We love this baby. Are we sure that it's safe to go away from a hospital? And I think too, because we kind of treat it as this like medical thing, which I'm actually kind of going to talk about a little bit here in this episode in a minute here. But I think when we treat it that way and um, it's presented that way in everything that we do and see and hear, you know, TV and friends and and other people's stories, then it becomes this like scary thing. Um, And when you deal with people like I do, I'm in the birth community where I'm 
talking with doulas and midwives and everyone all day long, this is very normal, natural way to give birth. Then it's way less scary, but totally understand dad's perspective and being like, hey, wait, let's make sure everyone is safe and that this is a good idea before we do it. So I love that you in this situation for this reviewer, that you had this really positive experience and this information from, you know, mom and everything. And then I love that you were able to get your husband on board as well. And having him listen to these kinds of episodes, I think is really useful. So if you are listening right now and your birth partner, your husband hasn't had a chance to jump into some of these, start making a list now. In fact, this is probably something I need to be doing too, so that I can give it to you guys. But I know that I get a lot of women who are saying to me, you know, I had my husband listen to this and this and this, or my birth partner really liked these episodes. This was really helpful for for us. So I say as you're going through, kind of check off, make your little list of like episode 71 and episode 92. And these are the ones that I want my birth partner or spouse to listen to because it really is a group effort. And once you've got you know, he's got an idea too of the normalness of what you're talking about or the evidence behind it, because I really do make this evidence-based, then I think it becomes a little easier to have those conversations and to feel comfortable no matter where you give birth. All right. How was that for, uh, I didn't even make it to the intro yet. <laughs> Let's talk about this intro. I wanted to go over this because it's been a little while since COVID has hit, since we've learned our lessons since 2020, right? We've had some information from these experiences. And now I want to talk about kind of what the lessons that we've learned are, because I think there's a lot of them. And as scary or uncomfortable or unnatural as some of these things have been, I also think we've moved into this place of some of these things that were scary before are not anymore. And some of the things that we worried about, we've figured out how to do better the next time. So hopefully that'll make sense as I go. But really, I just want to get into what have we learned from going through hard things. And this is awesome because it's something that has is recent. You've Everyone listening to it has dealt with it or listening to this episode has dealt with it recently. So it's going to be applicable to every single one of you. But we've learned things about ourselves. I, I know that we've learned how to handle anxiety, um, depression, being isolated. We've learned things about our bodies, how we handle stress, how the body handles stress, especially when we're talking about labor and birth. Uh, we've learned about some of those uglier sides of medical care, like their ability and willingness to remove birth partners or other birth support for mom during a pandemic. And at the same hand, we've learned the compassionate side of medical care for people who jumped in and stood up for women and really rallied and got made sure that birth partners and birth support were back into the birth space rather quickly. Now we've seen a fluctuation of this. There's still some issues that we see, you know, when we've got little pockets here and there or state to state or county to county, city to city, where they say, you know, this is the policy, this is the practice. Uh, but overall, there was this big surge, like the second that birth partners were pulled out, it was like, hey, wait, and everyone jumped on board to say, actually, we do need to be compassionate and caring and kind and think about these women going through this experience and having to do it by themselves. So we got the birth partners back into the room rather quickly. So compassionate, the ugly side and the compassionate side of medical care. I think too, pregnant women, we were asked we, I was not pregnant during this time. Pregnant women were asked during this time though to go through some of the most challenging things I think you could ever be up against. And that's like in many, many years. So you know that on the on this podcast or if you, you've talked to 
uh, either home birth midwives or doulas or other childbirth educators, or you've listened in on some other things, you know that women, like it used to be normal and natural to give birth out of a hospital with a midwife, right? And then there was this big push, and I won't get into all the history behind this. There was this big push to bring everything into the hospital. And uh, there was a lot of money and advertisement and I don't know, a lot of stuff that went down in order for people to believe that the the hospital is safer and it's cleaner and it's more equipped and it's the best, most classy, you know, place for you to have your baby. And they did a lot of these demoralizing of these midwives and just the articles that they put out and everything. Like a lot of this was just like media, right? And so I think that was the last time that we saw a lot of, and it was the same thing when, when women came to the hospital, birth partners, dads, this for years and years and years, they were not allowed to come with their wives. They had to wait out in the waiting room while the doctor, while the, the nurses, while everyone took care of them. And so I just think this is probably the closest thing to this like big surge, this big shift, this big uncomfortable thing that was happening that we've seen in quite a while. Anyways, that's what I'm comparing it to. But I think along with all of that, uh, we, we gather information, we adapt, we figure it out, and we figure out how to be better prepared. And that's what I want to talk about with you today. Truly, the number one thing that we've learned from this pandemic is about preparation. Okay, if you, <laughs> right, if you remember when things went down, who had their toilet paper? Who had enough toilet paper? I don't know if that was a thing. But, and, and I'm not quite sure why we all ran for the toilet paper, quite honestly. I know that a lot of people were probably like, do I have my food storage? Am I going to be able to get, you know, what I need for my family? There were, but in other words, like preparation, right? And I think absolutely that turned into maternity care as well. And I'll get into that in a minute. But it, were we prepared for what was coming to us during that time? And is there a way to be prepared with our bodies and everything, no matter what the situation? So uh, a lot of that preparation that you're doing right now, I, and trust me, I'm going to move on and get into the details behind what I'm saying here, but a lot of the preparation that you guys are doing even right now, right? You listen to podcasts. It's likely you're uh, following My Essential Birth on Instagram or other accounts on Instagram. Preparation includes things like a really good birth course. I know that we had a lot of women coming to us, especially during the pandemic, and it, they were scared and nervous. And because of changes of situations, either they didn't want to give birth in the hospital or the insurance was covering for them to be out of hospital, or they were told that it's not as safe to give birth in the hospital or whatever the, the situation, they decided, I need to know a little bit more information about my birth, my body, my pregnancy. And so absolutely a birth course is something that you can do, should do. If you're here, you know I'm going to push that. The Even for myself, preparing for my birth came from taking a really great birth class and practicing. It wasn't just receiving the information. It was using the information. And I'll tell you one of my favorite things from you listeners who are here on the podcast that reach out to me either by email or in my Instagram DMs is hearing you know, oh, I listened to your podcasts for this and this and this. And because of that, I changed providers or I changed my birthing location or I stood up for myself and I, or I had this amazing birth and I couldn't have done it without this information. Those are my favorite stories because that is information put into action. And so if you're listening here, I hope it's not just good information. I hope that you're using that information. The other part of that is asking questions and staying connected, kind of like I just talked about. Um, and then two, just as part of preparation, you can listen to any of the episodes where I talk about relaxation practice, or there's even one that has a, a free guided meditation, and I can include links for those in the show notes. But here's, 
I thought maybe I just want to go over some challenges, like a list of challenges and what we've learned. And I hope that as I read these, you guys are relating to them and you're seeing kind of the joy and the good that can come out of hard things, which we know for the rest of our lives is part of what we're learning. So challenge number one, right? And I talked about this in the intro just a touch, but if you remember beginning of 2020, pandemic hits, scariness for the hospitals and everything else, right? New York was the first or maybe just the biggest one that we heard about where they pulled everybody out of the birthing rooms. And it wasn't just husbands. You couldn't have your doula. You couldn't have your sister. You couldn't have your mom. Um, And so we had to, it was like, wait a second. We need to be retaught that this isn't acceptable. Um, And that challenge kind of pivoted towards that huge movement of getting birth partners back into the birth room. And I think what we learned, so that was the challenge, right? Here's what we learned. It's crucial that your birth partner prepares with you. So even women who had support um, from, who who have support from doulas, doulas have to take trainings and I know I've shared this before, but when I was a doula, um, my very first birth I did completely for free. I wanted to see if this is something I was interested in. I was already teaching birth classes. I had three births of my own, very different, incredible experiences. And so I said, hey, I have never been to a birth. I would love to attend one for free. Um, is anybody open, willing, looking for that? And I had a woman who reached out to me and said, yes, please be in my birth space. And I, I feel like I was good at holding space for this woman. And she it was a home birth. She knew what she was doing. She absolutely didn't, I'm quoting like quotation marks in the air, right? Didn't need me there in a sense. Um, she was understanding her body and she had an excellent experience. She knew how to tune into her body and have that baby. But I was sitting there and holding space, right? Because sometimes really all you need or what is so beautiful about birth is just having people there that support and love you and believe in your ability to do what you're doing in that moment. And so I did that well. But when it came to any kind of hands-on techniques or understanding, I what I really believed was what was going to happen is I would intuitively know what this woman needed because I had had births before, because I'd been there before. Like I just thought, and I, I loved women and I wanted to be supporting her. I thought I would know and I didn't. And so that's where it goes back to there when we talk about training up these birth partners and especially those first time dads, but anytime dads, right? It took me a couple births even after my training as doula to really feel like, okay, I am now I'm understanding. Now my intuition is telling me maybe, maybe some guys will be, you know, instantly able to tell what mom needs. And some of that I think would be totally reasonable because this is the woman that you love. This is the woman that you're creating this baby with and this new life with. Like you guys are connected on another level that a doula never could be involved in. So I do think in a way, absolutely, you will know what that what that mom needs. But you have to have some tools to go along with that. Uh, you have to understand how to do counter pressure. You have to understand how to do massage correctly. And, and when I'm talking about these things, it's like simple things that you might not think of unless maybe you take a training. So for example, making sure that you have your hands on mom before the contraction begins. It could be that your hands are even in the right place doing the right things, but because it came on after the contraction happened and now it's a distraction instead of help, it could be like, oh, don't touch me. But that's not what she means. She means like do it right, <laughs> you know, and maybe you don't know what that means. So there's training involved with that. Same with massage. Like when you are, are rubbing a mom, 
It shouldn't necessarily be just one direction. Um, uh, like we talk a, a lot about like going down and out, for example, if you're starting at a shoulder, it should go all the way to the elbow and out through the hands. Like you're literally moving kind of like energy through the body. And if that's not happening, or if every time you go from the shoulder all the way down to the tip of the hands, you take that hand off and she doesn't feel anything. And then you're back up at the shoulder again, that's actually really distracting. Um, and so knowing once I have a hand on the shoulder and it goes all the way down to the fingertips that my next hand is on the shoulder before the other hand releases, those kinds of simple things, training techniques, knowledge, that makes a huge difference in how we can support mom as birth partners or as doulas. So that's kind of what we learned, right? Birth partners need to be prepared. Now, in this case, they were removed, right, from from um, these birth spaces. But what's the other part of that? Like knowing your options, you know, being prepared, having your birth partner prepared to know the options. And that includes, you know, do we look into having a birth center birth? Do we look at having our baby at home? Do we fight these policies, these um, procedural things? Like what voice do we have? What are our rights? So that's really important. Do we understand and know all of those things? And then other things I think just to kind of throw it out there, other things that birth partners should know, just in case you're wondering, because <laughs> maybe you're like me and you're really curious about that kind of stuff, is um, like the stages of labor. Where is mom at in labor? Um, emotionally, can I tell? Or am I tracking her contractions? What does that look like? Do I need to put the two together? The answer is yes. But how do I tell what stage of labor mom's having, like what where she's at without dilation, right? You shouldn't have to have somebody checking on dilation all the time to be able to tell where mom is at in her labor. Things like how to use tools like a birth ball or massage tools or massaging with your hands or things like that. Different positions that mom can try. I mean, if you don't even understand the different positions to get her into how are you going to help her a lot of it is intuitive in the way that mom moves but especially in like a hospital setting uh, you'll have to ask for these tools and you'll have to you know get her out of the bed otherwise the recommendations are really easy like oh we'll try and roll over or yeah it is really comfortable if you stay in the bed those things aren't always necessarily offered Uh, I know here in Utah we're pretty lucky we have a lot of it's very birth friendly in every hospital space that I've been in mostly. And so a lot of the times, you know, the nurses or the nurse assistants or just anybody involved is like, oh, have you tried this? Or let me try this counter pressure. Or they're pretty skilled that way. I've also been to births in other areas where they're not, where it's not offered, where it's, you know, you bring your own birth ball because they don't have it. And so even understanding what's at the hospital, right? So, and then, I mean, there's obviously like how to push or breathing baby down, postpartum norms, what that looks like. And um, two, I think just understanding like if even now, right, if dad is resembling any kind of symptoms of COVID-19 as we're talking about going into the hospital or whatever, understanding the guidelines and having a backup now, which seems to be a little more easy to get people into that birth space. Uh, and then we learned about teledoulas. I think that was another thing that came from that. These were doulas that were willing to be on the phone with you, either FaceTime or in your ear. That way, when recommendations were coming or things were being said, they could just be that other really good voice of reason and information. So challenge and what we learned. Here's another challenge. Hospitals were moving healthy, low-risk moms to birth centers or homes because it was safer. And that doesn't sound maybe like a challenge, but for a mom who is healthy and low risk but had planned on using medication or healthy and low risk and just felt safer, more comfortable in a hospital setting, 
um, healthy and low risk and for whatever reason just wanted to make sure that she had NICU available or whatever like it was just like a, a safety concern that I mean it was a challenge because it's unexpected that's not what we were planning for. But what I love about this is what we learned. And that is that your body's made to give birth. Oh, and I kind of joked, oh, so all of a sudden now it's safe for healthy, low-risk moms to birth out of hospital. Hello, you know, <laughs> what have we been preaching for the last 10, 15 years? Uh, but but now that, that became like wide knowledge. Like, oh, insurance is covering it because now it's actually the safer, less risky thing to do. I think it, t- it taught us that birth is not an emergency, which we've been saying for a really long time. I mean, I know a lot of the times we go to it's we go to the hospital and we have people there like treating it like an emergency, but it's not. Um, we learned that we needed to prepare right back to my if kind of this whole like if you're prepared, you shouldn't fear. You won't have fear. And especially for moms moving from maybe hospital and even if they're like I want to go on medicated but I want the option in case I choose to get the epidural to I'm not birthing in the hospital medication isn't an option the only reason I'll be in a hospital is if there is um, an emergent reason it's safer for me to be there than out of the hospital and so that is back to it's really important to understand what's going on with our bodies and understanding the process of birth just like I talked about before, kind of the stages of labor, um, what contractions are doing on the inside. I know for me, that's really helpful. Like learning about this is what your uterus is doing. It is a muscle and it's got muscles that uh, run long ways and short ways, like up up and down, horizontal and vertical. And those muscles contract during a contraction. They also, all those muscles pull up to the top of the uterus and squeeze down on baby and then baby's pushing against that to get themselves out. That helps me to know inside of my body what is happening so that I can focus on those things, visualize those things happening as I'm breathing and having a contraction and watching my body from the inside out kind of work through those things. It's the same with when we talk about transition, for example. Transition can be like a scary kind of part of labor. It can also just be really intense. Some women kind of go through it without even knowing. It can be a lot of things. But for most women, it is the most intense and shortest part of birth. And once you come up to it, even even I with my third baby, having taken birth classes, having practiced with my husband, being really knowledgeable about everything, when I hit transition with that third baby, I was in my head like, this better be transition because if it's not, I can't do this anymore. And I remember saying out loud, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> like I don't have many more of these kinds of contractions in me. Uh, and it was short and then we moved on to pushing. But if you don't know that, that's really scary or it could be potentially really scary. So I think we learned, you know, more about preparation and understanding our bodies. And truth is, we are stronger than we think, right? I, I think right now this kind of even makes me think of what's going on in the world with Ukraine and Russia. You know, we're in the middle of this. We're watching this war from here in the United States, if you're following along and from here. And if you've been paying attention at all, I'm sure that you've heard of these women giving birth in all these different places, um, in bomb shelters or in the metro station. And the thought of that can be overwhelming for a lot of reasons because it's scary. They're likely without their husbands. The husbands are fighting and they're surrounded by other women. But maybe these women, and I don't know, I, I have no idea what their personal situations are. But imagine 
not being prepared for that experience. Imagine planning to have medication and be in a hospital or whatever that looks like. And then moving to this this area where it's like, well, now labor is coming on. And this is what I have around me, which is just some women who may or may not be skilled in helping deliver a baby and hopefully being able to help keep that baby alive. Um, But any tools, including the husband, is now gone. And so I, I just think, why wouldn't we at any point want to know what's happening inside of our bodies and how to work with it for the safety of ourselves and for our babies? So what a benefit, right, to be able to do that. Uh, But I think, you know, we kind of saw what happened with COVID and it just makes you realize those kinds of things can happen at any time. We had really no warning that everything was going to shut down and and birth partners were going to be removed. And so I think it's really important, you know, we should learn from history. And so even if it's just the last two years of history, I think it's really good for us to say, okay, I think from now on, I am going to do my part to make sure that I'm prepared, hope for the best, prepare for the rest. I think that's exactly how it was said. And I like that. Um... Because, and and you can, right? You want to hope for that everything is going to go exactly how you're planning it to be. And then you prepare for all the other things. And in fact, if you're in the birth course, you know, one of the things that we talk about is cesarean birth. And that's because even though the majority, I would assume everybody that's taking that birth course, the goal is to not have a cesarean birth. But we want you to understand that because it does happen with some pregnancies, because there might be a situation where a mother has to have a cesarean birth, We don't want the first time you're hearing about everything going on to be coming at you as it's happening because that's really scary. So we talk about cesarean birth. We talk about what to expect. And then we also give you this gentle cesarean birth plan so that you can work through like, oh, this is really important to me. And that's simple things like if I have to have a cesarean birth, I want the lights dim as possible, right? We need the, the provider to be able to see what they're doing. Um, below the drape but lights dim if possible and we'd like to have our own music and I want my hands free so that I can touch my baby and hold my my husband's hand comfortably and there's just a couple of things in there that you're like oh yeah I I would like those things if it comes to this now talking about it and working through what you would like if that happens doesn't make it more likely to happen it's just good information and then what we say is so figure out what you want on your gentle birth cesarean plan or gentle cesarean birth plan and if you need to like you don't have to edit it at all you can just print it out and put it in your bag and that's kind of like the tucking it away like if I need it here it is and now I can completely remove it from my mind so I think it makes sense to prepare for these these kinds of things um, so that you're not completely caught off guard if something like this happens another challenge that we saw was mental health this was huge and along with that went prodromal labor which if you heard and I'll I'll link the episode below but it was the episode with Angie um, she's a midwife in Long Beach, California, and we had talked about the effects of stress on the body and watching what 2020 had done to, to women during that time and their pregnancy and giving birth, and there was a lot more prodromal labor, and I don't know that studies have been done on this. This is totally like anecdotal. This is what you know she saw and what I have heard from other women or just watching women within the birth course how many women have prodromal labor for so long and I mean like six eight months I'm not talking about women who have had it for that long but like six to eight months worth of just every birth you're hearing that they're having prodromal labor and you realize what this stress does to women Uh, but mental health too because it was you know now all of a sudden we're quarantined we can't go outside we haven't figured out what is happening behind this virus? Is it very dangerous? Is it going to harm my baby? Uh, And so there's a lot of like fear and stuff that went around that. And I think what we learned is 
first of all, birth is so much an emotional journey as much as it is physical. And for those of us who have been through hard things or scary things, or you've lost a loved one, or you've, you know, had something really intense happen in your life, you know that when those emotional intensities happen, your physical body reacts. And so relating those two as it comes to birth is huge because I think a lot of what we were talking about during that time is do, and I'll put the link here. It's been a, it's been a couple episodes since I've done this. So I will put the link for the find it and flip it exercise. But a lot of it was that, that mental switch. We've got to get our heads in this good space. And so that included things like positive affirmations and not just positive affirmations. If you've heard me talk about the find it and flip it exercise before, it's taking those fears, taking those things that are uncomfortable, taking those negative thoughts, anything that could be put on the negative side of things and then you create two positive affirmations in the direct opposite of whatever the fear is so if the fear is I'm afraid my husband isn't going to be with me for this birth then you put two affirmations that are complete opposite and so that would look like my husband will absolutely be able to be with me when I go into labor my my body will react appropriately and and is ready for the birth I'm probably not making good affirmations on the fly here, but they're they're positive and in the opposite of. And it, I mean, when I think of positive affirmations, it seems like I trust my body and, and the birth process. My body is made for birth. I am safe and healthy and so is my baby. I'm the perfect mother for my baby. Those kinds of things that if you put them right the other way that those fears, it pulls them out. And it's so it sounds silly, but there's a lot of mental work that can go into birth and into labor. And it's so useful. Like I can't even tell you how useful it is. I used it myself. If you maybe you've heard me say this before, but with my third baby, and it was my first home birth, and it will be my first birth that I knew I wouldn't have any kind of medication. I had an epidural with both of my prior births, and I started freaking out. It was probably like 34, 35 weeks when it became really real that I was having my baby at home, and I reached out to my doula, and I told her that, and she's like, I am going to send you a list of affirmations. Take what you like. Leave the rest. She goes, you need to start saying them out loud several times a day, every single day, and it took a week or two, and I'm not even kidding that like deep immense fear of am I going to be able to complete this task am I going to be able to give birth to my baby I've never done this before I have not prepared for it all of that went away and I immediately within those like week or two it was like confident empowered excited ready it changed all of that and that has a physical effect on us so we work with our mind and that changes the physical effects of the body it's huge so hopefully we've definitely learned that from the COVID-19 stuff. Uh, Another challenge, women were pushed to their limits. And I mean, in every way possible. And I think with that though, what we learned was how to stand up for ourselves. And I think not everyone, right? Some of us kind of cave in at that, like, oh, this is too hard and we shrink. So hopefully we learned that we need to look outside of ourselves if we're not the ones that can be advocating and speaking up for ourselves that we're looking to our birth partners or um, we're setting up a really solid birth team, those kinds of things that make it really easy for us to feel safe and comfortable. But what I really saw was a lot of women finding their voice. I was like, no, like you push and push and push and eventually you push too far. And <laughs> I think a lot of women were like, that's enough. I know I, you are not taking my baby after I have my baby. That's, I don't care if it's your procedure or policy. It's not legal. It's, you know, like all of a sudden it was like the questions changed. It was, 
tell me what my rights are. Tell me how I need to speak with my provider. This is what's going on. I'm not okay with that. This isn't right. Help me get my voice. And then you did. Uh, My sister was a perfect example of this. My poor sister, I I think out of everything that you could be up against for a pregnancy and dealing with uh, medical providers, and mind you, she had an at-home, a home birth midwife. So she had this great support. But there were a couple times where it was like, um, you need to go into the hospital to get your ultrasound. You need to go into your hospital, you know, just double check on this or whatever it was, you know, prodromal labor and whatever. Let's make sure we check on baby because it's been a couple weeks, whatever it was. And she not only had to sign an an against medical advice form, but she, I mean, just her voice. She was like, no, I'm not doing that. And sometimes I wish I was more like her. I'm not even joking. Um, but, But watching her and other women get their voice during this, I think that was something that we absolutely learned, like what our limits are. The last challenge I'm going to talk about, which there were many, many challenges. The last one I'm going to talk about today um, was I want to bring in the medical providers and nurses that were asked to work through the pandemic. And it is easy sometimes, I think, to put a lot of the blame on them. However, at the same time, I think this was a great challenge for them. Um, They stayed even when they didn't understand what that virus was going to be like, if it was going to be harmful to them or to the children that were at home when they went home um, from their shifts. And so I think, I hope what we learned from this was kind of that compassion piece of we're all just trying to figure things out and do our best. I think the unknown affects everybody and having compassion on each other, um, especially when we think of these these medical providers, these care providers. I mean, some of them, just like the best stories, right? Like they would stay extra hours and make sure that that mom that didn't have her husband there got the support that she needed or Uh, just I mean there were so many good stories from these nurses these medical providers that I just want I wanted to make sure to highlight that as well that even though there was some confusion and scary and whatever that we're all just trying to make it work and I think we saw some of the very best of people come out during this too and I think it's really important to highlight that and remember it really quick when we're talking about being prepared and you heard me kind of talk about that a lot but I wanted to mention just a couple of things in case you're like I definitely want to make sure that I'm prepared no matter what. Like even if we don't see any kind of scary things for the next 20 years, I would like to make sure that I am prepared no matter what. Um, So that's, we talked about you guys listening to the podcast. You're already doing that. Following things on Instagram, taking a good birth course. I like the idea of watching good birth videos and positive, positive birth videos. And if you're in the birth course, then you've already got some of those, but you can even find them on YouTube, just these positive birth stories and videos, listening to positive birth stories. And so if you've noticed, I've started integrating those into the podcast. I think they're really important to hear. Um, just moms and dads who have had really good experiences and what that looks like for them because there's some background on how we get to that really good, happy, joyful birth that we want to share with everybody. Reading good books. I know that I've recommended on here before, um, especially for birth partners, but this is actually a book we read as doulas too, and it's called The Birth Partner. That one is a really great book. I like Ina May's Guide to Natural Childbirth. There, There's plenty of good books out there if books are your thing. I'm assuming if you're here, probably audiobooks would be your thing, right? <laughs> kind of like the podcast version of a book. 
um, asking other moms to tell you their positive birth stories. So this is something that I love. Our My Essential Birth community, the course community online has really grown and something that is just constant there is positive birth story after positive birth story. And that doesn't mean that women haven't come back and said, I had a hard, difficult birth, this and this and this happened, um, which then the community is like, it's okay, you're, <laughs> you're okay, it's okay, it's a safe place to share it here and you know, let's love on you a little bit. But listening to those positive birth stories is huge. And so if, if you don't have a place to do that, I hope you would at least look at the podcast stories that we have here. Um, but even when you're talking to other women and uh, just local people to you, friends, family, whatever, that you ask for those positive birth stories because they really do strengthen us. They buoy us up. They they make us excited for our upcoming births. And then I hope you'll have a positive experience and that you take time to share that as well. It makes a big difference. I'm definitely going to put the find it and flip it exercise below. So um, again, if you guys don't know where to get the show notes, it's myessentialbirth.com forward slash forward slash podcasts and then whichever podcast you're listening to you'll click on that podcast and when you scroll to the bottom there's a ton of links for you guys free downloads and um whatever else just anything that I've talked about sometimes it's product sometimes it's somebody else's um link that I link to so that's where that information is but on top of that is understanding what is evidence-based and what's not, and then understanding that you have a choice to make those decisions, whether or not other people like them. You know, my big thing here is informed consent and then making sure that you find support for whatever you choose. Um, I think, so for example, uh, let's talk about COVID-19 and induction. Like it could be evidence-based to induce a mom who had COVID-19 during first or second trimester and maybe she's showing signs of fetal growth restriction or mom has preeclampsia now or there's a placenta that's not functioning properly. You know that I get on my soapbox about inductions and how they're overused. There is a place for them though and so when there is a medical reason maybe this could be one of them then it becomes something that that's an evidence-based reason. You're aware of that. The provider has explained it well. You have a choice in saying, yes, let's do this. A not evidence-based reason for inducing um, is to tell moms, this is what was happening early in 2020, it's safer for you to not be around these patients that have COVID-19. And since there's so many of them here, we recommend that you get induced so that we can make sure that you're in and out of here before things really blow up. That's not an evidence-based reason for induction. So I think understanding evidence-based everything <laughs> that, you're, that you're looking for in your in your birth plan is, is going to be a big deal. Physical preparation are things like the three free exercises. I'll put the link below in the show notes, show, show nights, the show notes. But if you head to myessentialbirth.com, it's on that first page. You just put in your name and your email and click the button and it gets sent to you. So those three free exercises are huge for preparing mom and making sure that baby's in a good position for birth. And those two things like just simple like stamina and strength and stretching and relaxing the right things to allow baby to be in a good position and also for mom, those things are huge, like those simple daily things to make sure that that birth goes as smooth as possible. And then, um, you know, it's like eating healthy and reducing stress as much as you can. Exercising, that's like walking or some other way that you're getting your heart rate up. The three exercises are not like 
those kinds of exercises. They're positional and, and strengthening kinds of things. So making sure that you're getting your heart rate up and drinking enough water and stuff. I know that we recommend things like yoga because it's really good for breathing. It's stretching, mindfulness, um, meditation kind of along with that, guided breathing, anything that's going to help relax and tune into your body. Relaxation practice is huge because I we kind of joke all the time, like, how relaxed are you when somebody tells you to relax? What's the first thing that you do? You tense up. And so relaxation is a learned thing. And it's something that when it comes to, if you've practiced it enough, then when it comes to labor, you're going to have muscle memory in order to be able to relax. And there's a lot of things that go into that. But relaxation is huge. And then labor rehearsals. So you should be practicing. What is this going to be like when I'm having contractions? How should I, what should I do with my body? What should my breathing be doing? Should, you know, my jaw should be relaxed and my forehead should be relaxed. And, um, there's just like a lot of little, little things that you can learn and understand how to do. And that's kind of that physical preparation. And then emotional preparation is being proactive, right? Making sure that, um, you're not unprepared and stressed so that you, you feel like you're kind of on top of things, creating a birth plan and kind of like a birth map, right? Because we know that there's different ways, different roads to get to that destination of having everyone really happy with a birth that they've just experienced. And so, um, but, but understanding what your choices are, what your options are, um, being informed about them and then making the ones that stand out to you most important and making sure that they do hit some kind of paper plan and that you've had that conversation with your provider. And along with that, I think would be part of the emotional prep is getting your birth team in order, because if you've got people around you supporting you and loving on you, then your your emotional state's going to be a lot more chill and relaxed and comfortable when you're actually in labor. I think being flexible is really important. Um, to anything right because that's the thing about like birth plans so we say like I've got this plan and this is how it's going to go and everything's going to go in this order and this is how I need it to be and that's great but what happens when something doesn't go as planned we I think if we learn to be flexible and learn what our options are so that when things do maybe not go exactly as planned we have other options other avenues other things that we've already thought about and explored like if this happens okay I think I would be happy making this next decision, then I think that it helps us with our emotional state as well. I always say it's really important, especially as you're getting towards the end of your pregnancy, but I would say don't wait till then to schedule these kinds of things. And that's time for you and your husband or your birth partner to connect, to lean into each other, to communicate, to laugh together, go to a movie, schedule time for yourself, get a pedicure, whatever that looks like for you so that you're taking care of yourself and your relationship before that baby is born. Um, and then along with that, right, be positive, share what you learn with others. I think the more that we share about the positive things that we're learning, the more you're going to get that positivity back kind of I don't know. It's not karma, but there's a law <laughs> and what you put out, you get back. So put out the good stuff. Um, I don't know. I, I just thought with everything going on in the world and with these last two years, and I know even just looking at what our family has had to walk through and just the challenges, but then relating it back to birth, I, I do think that something like a pandemic can be a positive thing if we allow it to be. And so I hope that you guys have enjoyed listening to some of these challenges. I know I, I touched on a few. There were many more. I'm, I mean, I know that you as women have messaged me about your personal challenges through COVID-19. We've had a lot of that conversation within the birth community, uh, within the birth course community, on Instagram. I know that there's a lot of things that didn't get mentioned here, but 
I think it's just part of that. There's going to be scary and uncomfortable things that happen in this world, period. There are hard things that we're going to be asked to walk through, period. That's just part of this life. And if we learn from them, then it was worth it, right? Like walking through the challenges, I think of like just relating it to my marriage, walking through those challenges together. So I'm relating it to marriage. Maybe you're walking through that with other pregnant women or within this community or with your spouse, you become so much stronger when you make it to the other side of that challenge. And it's not like as you're going through it, you don't know how you're going to get through it. You just know that you're going to keep pressing forward and keep pressing forward. And then you can look back and you're like, holy cow, like we made it to the other side of this really big mountainous, whatever challenge we were faced with. And now I have these really awesome skills from climbing that mountain that I can share with all these other people that I can see are just getting started on it. And Anyways, so that I that's one thing I love about the birth community. That is something that has it lights me up when I think about birth. That's what happened to me. I had these great experiences where I was like, holy cow, by the end of that third birth, when I had my baby at home, completely unmedicated, vaginal birth after cesarean, and I was like, I just did that. I did that. <laughs> and if I can do that, you better believe I know that you and you and you and you and everybody else can. Because I had all of these things stacked against me that I was told I was too tiny to birth my baby and my body would, you know, I had a cesarean before, so I couldn't have one again. And my baby was too big and just all the things. And it's like, yeah, but was it true? And if I can do it, then so can you. I mean, it just, it lit me up. And I knew from that point I had to do what I'm doing right now. And so I hope that that has been your experience as well. If you've walked through some of these challenges and you've gotten to the other side and you're like, I did that. I hope that you absolutely take a moment to appreciate right where you're at and that accomplishment that you've made. And then I hope that you look back and you find other people that are walking through that and you help bring them through with that positivity as well. That's it for this week, but make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you get notifications first as I drop new episode every week. And don't forget to head over to myessentialbirth.com for all of the free downloads mentioned here and to join the birth course and community serving pregnant moms just like you. If you enjoyed this and other episodes, I would love it if you would take a few minutes to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I read every single one and include one at the beginning of each episode. See you next week.